Today's scripture reading is Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Good morning, Christ community. Uh, Good to be with you. If you are new, if you're a guest here with us, uh, it is a joy to be with you together as we turn to God's word and hear from him. Uh, Kids, if you're here in the service with us, we love you or with us. If you didn't grab a Kid Connect on your way in, these are great ways to kind of follow along in the sermon. And so, again, it is a joy to be uh, with you this Advent season uh, as we are gathering in worship together. Uh, what I'd like to do is I want to open us in a time of prayer, and I actually want to pray our prayer from our uh, Form Life journal. If you hadn't grabbed one of these companion journals that goes along with our Advent series, I encourage you to grab one on your way out. But this is actually the prayer for this Sunday as we turn to um, our text this morning in the name of God we'll be exploring. And so I just want to pray this prayer over us as we continue in worship together. So let's take a moment to pray. Lord of hosts, there is no other name in heaven or on earth that is as mighty as yours. We ask for your protection from our enemies, whether within or without, spiritual or embodied. We know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And for this reason, we are grateful that you fight on our behalf. Even the birth of our Savior Jesus was heralded by heaven's armies. And so as we face trials, temptations, and adversity, let us not fear, but boldly face them, knowing that you are strong to save. It is in the name of Christ Jesus, our King, that we pray. Amen. I want you to, I want you to think the, the last time in your life, it could be recent, it could be from your childhood, it could be from years and years ago, when was the last time someone stood up for you? When was the last time someone came to your defense, it was an advocate for you in a time of great difficulty and adversity? For, for me, that this happened recently. A friend of mine came to me just this past week and told me that he was in a space where he was around some mutual acquaintances of ours, and, and I was being bad-mouthed. I was being talked about in a less-than-pleasant way, and, and this friend of mine listened patiently Uh, waiting to see if this person would kind of redeem themselves or say something positive or correct what was said. And and nothing like that happened. And so my friend said he he just couldn't listen anymore. He spoke up, came to my defense and said, this has to stop. You are speaking falsely about Reed. This is not true. And when my friend told me this, I mean, my my, my tiny little heart just warmed in my chest as he mentioned that. I felt loved I felt cared for, I felt seen, I felt protected by this friend of mine who was defending me. 
But, but what would happen, and, and, and I know many of us can identify with this personally, what happens in those moments when we are attacked, accused, betrayed, and mocked, and there is no one to come to our rescue? When there isn't someone standing in the gap, being our advocate, standing for us, fighting for us. We all know what it's like to be attacked, to be accused, to be betrayed and mocked. And and worse, we know that feeling when there is no one there to rescue us, to stand for us and stand with us. We, We all know the feeling of someone who loves us by being with us in proximity, but there is a unique love and affection that comes when someone stands for us. You know what I'm talking about? There's a different kind of love when someone stands for us, and in many ways, this is precisely who God is revealed to us in the name, the Lord of hosts. This is our our second week in the season of Advent, um, and this is our second week in our Advent series that we're calling He Shall Be Called, where we are um, exploring the story of God entering into our story, entering into our lives, suffering with us and for us. And we're doing so by exploring the various names of God as revealed throughout the biblical narrative. And one of the profoundly mysterious and unfathomable truths of the biblical Christian story is that the infinite God, the seemingly unknowable God, has made himself known to us and allows us to know him. That he has come not only to share his presence and power with us, but he has come to share his very name with us, expressing deep intimacy and fellowship. And so today we look at this name, the Lord of hosts. If you were with us last week, Pastor Ben kind of welcomed us into Advent by introducing us to El Elyon, which is the Hebrew name for God Most High. And In that, we, we saw that there is no God, no authority, no power that is above God. He is supremely powerful, ruling over all. And today, what we see as we continue on through our series, we turn our attention to the Lord of hosts. So last week, we see God Most High who entered our story and shows his glory as God Most High, as the lowliest of beings. And now we turn to our text, multiple texts that you'll see, revealing who the Lord of hosts is. And if there's one thing you take from our time together, I want it to be this, that the Lord of hosts fights for us. The Lord of hosts fights for us. This name that is ascribed to God, it's used over 280 times throughout the biblical storyline. It's one of the most frequently used names of God. And so it is a very unique and powerful name, not just because of its frequency, but because of what it means. But, but some of you might be sitting here thinking like, how is the name Lord of Hosts like all that powerful, like a host, like it sounds like he's God of the dinner parties. Like what, what does this mean, name mean? You know, it's like a host is someone who puts on parties. You think of, yeah, you think of who God is. He's more like Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast, you know, singing Be Our Guest, you know, which in one sense that's true. God is a hospitable, inviting God. But there's more to this word host than simply doilies and parties. And so what we see, this name, Jehovah Sabaoth is the Hebrew name, that we often have translated in our English Bibles as Lord of Hosts. Jehovah is the proper Hebrew name of God, sometimes transliterated as Yahweh. But Sabaoth is a Hebrew word that literally means to command, to set in order. It has very much uh, a military connotation to it, very, uh, very similar to a, a general who would give commands and orders to his soldiers. Which is why in some English translations you will find the Lord of Hosts sometimes translated as Lord of Armies, 
or Lord of angelic hosts. The idea behind this name is to show that God reigns over physical, spiritual, physical realities as well as spiritual realities. Listen, if you will, turn, turn to Psalm 148 briefly if you'd like to, if you have your Bible open, but we'll see the way in which the scriptures use this word host in a wide range of meanings. Listen to Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. Now, if you notice, the word host here is used to refer to things like spiritual realities, like angels, but also physical realities like stars. And in the Hebrew worldview, this was very common. Like, there was this enmeshing of the physical and the spiritual. And, and this, is, this is the world we inhabit. We absolutely indeed live in a physical world that is also deeply spiritual, This is what, partly what the name Lord of Hosts is communicating to us, revealing to us that while we inhabit a physical world that we observe with our senses and our empirical abilities, we also inhabit a world that is deeply spiritual. Not not, not a world that is simply beyond the physical world, but a, a world that is behind the physical world. And this is very hard for us as as modern Western thinkers. Admittedly, this is hard for us to embrace. We tend to operate, even Christians on a functional level, tend to operate under this idea that the physical world, the world that we see with our senses, is the only real world. And there's really not much, if anything, that exists beyond the physical world. But we all know, like, I mean, to to live functionally and consistently with that kind of conviction, it, it would produce a very hollow, very cold, very meaningless kind of existence. To truly believe that there is nothing but the material world is something that we functionally cannot even embrace in our own lives. In fact, uh, philosopher James K. Smith, he describes this kind of, this trap that we feel as modern people, this trap between what he refers to as disenchantment and significance. He says this, all sorts of people feel themselves caught in these cross pressures, pushed by imminence of disenchantment, the idea that all there is is the material world, but also pushed by a sense of significance and transcendence on another side, the fact that there is a spiritual reality to this physical world. He goes on to say, sealed off from enchantment, the modern self is also sealed off from significance. The Lord of hosts shows us that there is a world behind the world that we inhabit physically that there's an enmeshing of the physical and the spiritual and the story of christmas the story of christmas awakens us to this reality the story of christmas tells us about the time when the immortal put on mortality when the fine, when the infinite became finite when the lord of hosts became the son of god God is the Lord of hosts who reigns over physical and spiritual realities. And as the Lord of hosts, he is worthy of all praise from all things. Now, again, if you were with us last week, this may sound eerily similar to what Ben shared with us about God most high. And it's true, there is some overlap between these names, but the unique emphasis or nuance that the Lord of hosts gives us is this understanding of what God does with his authority and glory. 
God Most High reveals that God has all authority and all glory. Lord of Hosts reveals to us what he does with that glory and with that authority. Lord of Hosts emphasizes God's power and protection over the creation that he reigns over. Or to put it another way, Lord of Hosts reveals, as I said, what God does with his glory and with his authority. God does not simply sit atop the cosmic food chain, but he is actively and lovingly involved in his creation, bringing about order in the chaos that is around us. And he does so in order to fight for and to protect his good creation from the evils of sin, of deception, of injustice, and death itself. So let me illustrate it this way to to think about kind of the difference between God Most High and the Lord of Hosts. It's like the relationship that my children have with their Legos, okay? Think think about it this way. So, So God Most High is like me saying there is no Lego more glorious than my children, I hope that's true. I I hope I believe that to be true about my kids. Lord of Hosts is describing what my children do with those Legos. Lord of Hosts is revealing what God does with the world that he reigns over. My children don't simply own and possess their Legos. They do that. And they don't simply play and enjoy their Legos. They do that as well. But they create with their Legos. They, They take this chaotic container filled with these things that I step on and say words that I should not say out loud, but, but they, they take these Legos and put them together to make beautiful things, order out of chaos. And that is in many ways what the Lord of hosts is doing. He is working in our world, fighting for us by bringing order to the chaos that is in us and that is around us. He does not passively rule over his creation, but lovingly and actively enters in guards, protects, stewards, stands, and fights for his creation. Later on in the book of Isaiah, which is where we heard our scripture reading this morning, we see this idea of the Lord of hosts who fights for us. In Isaiah 31, verses 4 and 5, we read these words, For thus the Lord said to me, As a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted at their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill. Like birds hovering, so the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. Now, this this prophecy that Isaiah is writing, that God is giving to Isaiah, it's written during a time when Israel is facing great military threat and military invasion around them. And so they're in this kind of frantic state, seeking some kind of military alliance. I think in this case, it's Egypt, that they're trying to find somebody to come to their rescue and aid in this time of impending doom. And what God is saying to them is like, y'all don't need to do that. I am here. I am Lord of hosts. I am, I am Jehovah Sabaoth who will fight for you. I am the one who will come down and rescue you in this time. But, but he doesn't fight for us in the way that we might think. God is declaring to his people, I will fight for you. I will come down. But if we go back to Isaiah 9, our scripture reading from today, we will see just how this Lord of armies fights for his people. Turn with me back to Isaiah 9 and listen to what he says in verse 5. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's that's extreme language, right? That's very, like, it's intense. It's battle imagery. 
And, and, and then he says, he, after all of this, he's showing, what, what, we need to be, uh, pay very careful attention here. Absolutely, the scripture uses battle and wartime imagery to communicate the power and the presence of God. But we need to be, be careful as we read these metaphors, lest we kind of concoct a view of God that is not actually accurate of who he has revealed himself to be. Yes, the Lord of hosts fights for his people, but he does so not by sending soldiers. He does so by sending a son. Because look at verse six, right after all this, after this military warfare and how God is gonna destroy all of these artifacts of war and destruction, Isaiah declares this, God declares this through Isaiah in verse six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then he goes on to say, and the Lord, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So how does our God respond to threats and attacks, to evils and injustices hoisted against his good creation? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, fights for us, fights for his people, and conquers through the posture of humility, through gentleness, through a meekness, through service and through sacrifice. This is how power is to be wielded and to be viewed. It is not to be used selfishly or abusively, corruptively or or fearfully. What, What Isaiah is declaring to us, what God is saying to us through Isaiah, that the way in which our Lord of hosts, our Lord of armies conquers is through the meekness of sending his son who is the prince of peace. For this child whom the Lord of angelic hosts is promised through Isaiah, it's the same child promised to Mary through the angel Gabriel as he declares in Luke chapter 1. Again, we read the the, the Christmas narrative so often and, and sometimes we sanitize it and kind of read it as a traditional text. But what we see here is the fulfillment of what was declared through Isaiah. In Luke chapter 1 verses 31 through 33, we read these words, and behold, Gabriel declaring over Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So there's the Most High name coming in here. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts does this work. The zeal of the Lord, who is the Lord of all armies, all powers and authorities, shows his conquering power by sending a child. And so, yes, while there is sin and evil, oppression, death, and injustice around us, the Lord of hosts has come to fight for his people. He has come down. That is a theme throughout the biblical storyline. The God who is transcendent and above us beyond description condescends and comes down to us, sees his people, and hears their cries. He has come to fight for us, and he has come to put an end to the source of all of our true problems, pains, and perils. And as we have seen, in the name of the Lord of hosts, he has come to bring an end to all of our enemies, not just physical but spiritual as well. The Lord of hosts reveals to us that we inhabit a world that is deeply spiritual. There are powers behind the powers that we face in our world. 
And as the church, as people who are animated by this truth and story, we have to have eyes to see the reality of physical and spiritual powers at play. It's why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, for we do not war, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Friends, we do. We all have battles. We all have challenges and hardships. We all have threats in our lives. We all have enemies and powers that threaten us and oppose us, physical and spiritual. But we must never forget or lose sight of the truth that we also have a God who is our Lord of hosts and who has promised to fight for us, who has come to defend us, to protect us, and to stand for us. Amen? That's the hope and the goodness of Christmas that we are celebrating. As we even just sang in that beautiful hymn, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died will be satisfied and earth and heaven will be one. That is what the Lord of hosts who is the Lord over all physical and spiritual authorities, has come to do. And so church, as we journey through this Advent season, many of us do so carrying heavy burdens. Many of us enter into this holiday season facing difficult hardships, feeling overwhelming grief, facing crippling addictions. And although this is the season of hope, joy, love, and peace, so many of us feel the exact opposite. We feel overwhelmed by the sadness, the sorrow, and the pains of loss that we have experienced this year and years prior. And so yes, it's Christmas, but we're dealing with broken marriages, with, with addictions of various kinds. We're, we're dealing with uh, economic instability, family strife. We're dealing with racial division and, and depression and anxiety. And so, yes, it's Christmas, but all these things still pervade our world. All of these evils remind us of how much we desperately need and long for someone to rescue us, someone to fight for us, someone to enter in and to say, I have heard your cries and I have come down to be with you because we cannot conquer these things on our own. We all feel that desperately. As much as we have tried to bring remedy and solution to the problems that plague us, we all know we are desperate to hear someone say, I have stood in the gap for you. I am your advocate and I will fight for you. But, but how, do we, how do we do this? How do we wait on the Lord of hosts? How do we wait for him on his time to come and rescue us in the challenges that we face? After all, the season of Advent is a season of waiting. It is a reminder that God's people are a perpetual waiting people, a people who have waited for the dawn of the Messiah, and on this side of the resurrection, we are people who await his final return. We are a waiting people. So yes, we, we have hope knowing that God has come to us to be with us. We know that he has given us his spirit to comfort and strengthen, to equip and convict us. We know that through Christ's death on the cross, we are forgiven and redeemed once and for all. We know that the resurrection death has been conquered and that Jesus' kingdom has been established and will be established forever. But ours is a waiting hope. 
Ours is a waiting faith, a faith and a hope that is sure, nonetheless, of things to come, yet fully feels the weight of everything and all of the sin and brokenness in us and around us. And so as we wait, as we try to live into the reality that God, the Lord of hosts, fights for us, I want to I offer us and I want to practice something together, a helpful practice for us to wait on the Lord of hosts. And, and this may feel like an odd practice for some of you, but, but I believe as an embodied spiritual people, this is a helpful way for us to remind ourselves that we all face battles that we cannot win. But we trust and believe in a God who knows no battle that he can't win. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. I want you to take a moment, and you, you can close your eyes if you'd like to, if that's helpful to focus. I want you to think right now of a battle in your life. Think it could be a conflict, it could be a relational tension, it could be a challenge at work, it may be a health issue, a financial issue, whatever it is. What is the battle right now that you are facing that is overwhelming you, that has been on your mind even during this, this sermon? I want you to think about that battle, that conflict right now for just a second. And now here, here's, here's what I want us to do. I, I want you to clench your fists just like this, as, as tight as you can. And, and, and as you look at your clenched fists, I want you to see them as a sign that, that we try to fight these battles on our own. That with all of my efforts, it feels so hopeless. I have tried, I have tried, and I have tried, and I can't see any kind of victory or hope. See your clenched fist as a sign of you holding on to this battle. And now very slowly, just take a deep breath and just release your hands. Just slowly open them up. And now look at your open hands as a way to say, God, Lord of hosts, you are the one who fights our battles for us. God, Lord of hosts, you are the one who fights our battles for us. I want, I want us, again, this, that may feel like a really weird and strange practice, but it is a way to be reminded of the fact that we do inhabit a physical world and a spiritual world, that we face battles that, yes, are physical, but no less spiritual, that we face challenges and hardships, pains and costs, threats and opposition that are indeed empirical, but also ones that we cannot put our fingers on. And so my, my encouragement to you is that throughout this week or throughout Advent season, throughout your life, practice that. There, there's nothing spiritual uh, and powerful about what you've just done and clenching your fist, but it's a way for us to remind ourselves as spiritually embodied people that we try so often to fight and to win the battle that we can't win. And it's a way for us to say, God, Lord of hosts, who fights for us, we give our battles to you. As you think of or face situations this week throughout Advent, longing for someone to come to your rescue, take a minute to clench your fists, let them go, and pray that simple prayer, Lord of hosts, who fights for us, we give our battles to you. Because family, we, we are not purely material beings. You know that deep within your bones that you are more than just your bones. We know that we, are, we do not simply inhabit a material world. We know that we do not simply war against flesh and blood. We know that Christmas is not simply baby Jesus in the manger. 
Because Christmas is actually a cosmic battle that reveals to us and pulls the curtain back to show us where our true enemies and the source of our evils and pains comes from. To reveal that the Lord of hosts is battling the spiritual forces of evil in us and around us. And so before the heavenly hosts sang in celebration to the shepherds, there was a cosmic battle waging at the birth of Christ. In fact, in the book of Revelation, bear bear with me, Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, we see John gives us this apocalyptic vision of what was happening in that manger. And our nativity scenes, as we celebrate baby Jesus in the manger, it's a beautiful thing, but what Revelation tells us, what John is showing us, is that there's a cosmic battle behind baby Jesus in the manger. Revelation 12, 4 and 5 says this, and the dragon stood before the woman, the dragon being a personification of our enemy, the devil. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. As we look upon our nativity sets and reflect on the story of Christ's birth, may we see the Lord of hosts who has come to be with us, who has come to fight for us, who has come to stand with us against our enemy who seeks to devour us, to deceive us, to lead us into all forms of destruction and chaos. And may we see that as our enemy seeks to devour Christ, no such event takes place. For the past several year, or few years at Christmas, I have, I have shared this blog post by a, a Christian author and thinker. His name's Chad Bird. And in it, he speaks to this cosmic reality this cosmic battle of what is taking place at Christmas. So if that title doesn't get your attention, I don't know what will. When a dragon tried to eat Jesus. And here's what I want us to see. What I want us to see at Christmas is the Lord of hosts who has been born as a child to rescue us from our enemies. I want to close with these words from Chad Bird. He says this. It all began in Bethlehem. Unseen by human eyes, hell and heaven battled over us. And heaven in the end stood on the neck of hell, and pressed his foot into the throat that had so long accused us. The accuser of our brethren, John wrote, has been thrown down. He was conquered by the blood of the lamb. All the dragon gets for Christmas is a mouthful of shattered teeth, fiery lungs flooded with oceans of divine wrath and a sword swinging down from above to chop off the head that spouted accusation. Merry Christmas. The dragon is dead. The baby is alive. And his victory has set you free. Amen? You can clap. (laughs) So I can catch my breath. Church, this this is the story behind Christmas. Yes, it is baby Jesus in the manger. It is happy birthday Jesus. But it is no less than the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, who has entered in to be our victor and to defeat all enemies that accuse us, attack us, and seek to devour us. The Lord of hosts fights for us, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that you are the God who is transcendent and beyond what we can fathom. 
We thank you that you are God most high, worthy of all praise and glory. And we thank you that you are also the Lord of hosts who has come to fight for us. Lord, I ask that right now in this time that you would awaken us to the battles that that we fight, the battles that are, are seeking to devour us and to destroy us, the battles outside of us and within us. And Lord, would you allow us to see Jehovah Sabaoth as our God who has come to fight for us. Lord, I pray that for my brothers and sisters in this room, for those who know you, for those who don't know you, that you would be seen as the God who comes to fight for us. Lord Jesus, may we behold you as the one who is fully God so that your life, your death, and your resurrection would accomplish our salvation. We see you as fully man so that you could identify with us and suffer in our place. Lord of hosts, who fights our battles for us, we give our battles to you. We pray this in the name of Christ and for his glory. Amen.